1: Come listen to What Chaos. We'll talk about your favorite team. We'll talk about your least favorite team and everybody in between. And we're having a ton of fun doing it every single day, Monday through Thursday. It's What Chaos, presented by All City Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time, Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Grainger.com or just stop by. Welcome in, friends, to this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Navo from NBC Five Chicago, and with me, as always, of course, is the one and only Jay Zawa. Is that what your fake Twitter account was named? <laughs> I, I think guess it's so. Jay Zawa is with me. He is, uh, I believe, from Six Seventy The Score. Andy hosts the "I'm Fat" podcast. Uh, yeah, congratulations, Jay. You have an impersonator.
0: I don't know. Is it an impersonator or is it someone like, or is it a bot trying to create an account that seems real? Like one of those ones that you get on Instagram, like, hey, it's Bruce Springsteen one and Bruce Springsteen's asking me for money. Is it one of those or is it like a legit? Cause he hasn't, Jay Zawa on Twitter hasn't said much yet. Um, so I don't know. Who knows? Either way, I guess it's good that my account has enough. Followers, I suppose. Who cares? <laughs> Speaking of Twitter, give us a follow there at Madhouse Pod. You can email us there at uh, madhousepod at gmail.com, facebook.com/slash hockey shy, Instagram, madhouse underscore pod, and of course, check out madhousepod.com. Every episode's there. We've got some merchandise at the threadless shop there. I am dropping the ball on hooking up with our friends at Triple Thread Sports and getting an online shop going so people can order whatever the hell they want and get it very quickly. Uh, that would be really smart for me to do, and I'm not a smart person, as most of our listeners know. So we got a lot to get to today. We officially have a new NHL franchise. want to get to that. Uh, how that pertains to the expansion draft coming up next summer, we're going to get to that. James, I'm not going to tell you anything about this until we get to it, but I saw something today that disturbed me about the Blackhawks, Whoa. and I want to get your feedback on it. And we'll also talk about uh, Jonathan Taves returning to practice and Corey Crawford still not there. So there's a ton to get to today. But let's start it off with the big news of the day. Unleash the Kraken. The Seattle (laughs) Kraken are the NHL's newest franchise. I love the name. I love the colors. I love the uniforms. I love the logos. I think the Seattle franchise did a great job and knocked it out of the park.
1: Yeah, I, I think that a lot of people had brought up the idea of using the name Kraken and I wasn't, I didn't think that they would actually do it. I thought they were going to go with probably something like safer, like, you know, retread like the Metropolitans or something like that, or come up with like a generic name, like the Warriors or whatever. But I, I'm glad that they kind of embraced this idea of being unique and having a very, like kind of off the wall, not really expected kind of name. And I have to say, the name I can kind of like, you know, I can like it. I can let it go, whatever. I do actually think that they did a really nice job with the color scheme that they chose. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of the jerseys that they chose. And as I've said multiple times on Twitter today, yes, the logo is solid. But that secondary logo that combines the anchor and the space needle that, I think, sooner rather than later is going to be a very big part of their branding because it is flawless. It is genius, and I want a hat with that on it right now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love the color schemes, too. If you haven't seen it, it's navy blue. I guess you'd say powder blue and with a little hint of red. It looks yep. tremendous. Uh, and if you look, it's sort of similar to the Seattle Mariners co- color scheme, if you substituted the teal of the Mariners for a little touch of red. Uh, Really cool. And I was trying to figure out the significance of those colors to the Seattle area because now you've got the Kraken, the Mariners, and the Seahawks all with the navy and silver kind of, I guess you'd say, base to their uniforms. I don't know if that's intentional. You know, the uh, Blackhawks and Bulls have the same colors. It's just a coincidence. The White Sox and Cubs used to be red white and blue um and that's just a coincidence but i wonder if there's some significance to that navy and silver that has been happening uh, throughout seattle i think maybe just kind of fits the gray skies the blue water the kind of the mood of seattle maybe that's what but i looked up the seattle flag today and didn't see anything that would indicate <laughs> that being like a city color scheme or anything like that
1: well it's not like you know purple is like the state color of minnesota or anything and yet you know the vikings use purple and prince was obviously obsessed with purple so it doesn't necessarily mean that your area has to be obsessed with a color or have it as like part of their official livery i guess you would say but i I do want to ask you this jay since you're gonna spring something on me later today Uh oh i'm gonna go ahead and spring something on you right now Hmm. without you being allowed to think about it yeah of the like last probably let's say 30 years or so of expansion names and logos do you think that the Kraken the combo of all of it is the best out of all of those teams that have come out into the NHL in the last like 25 to 30 years
0: it's a good question so we're talking wild we're talking
1: which i would by the way volunteer is the worst of all of them
0: golden knights which i don't love it's fine it's not it's not offensive but like you said with the kraken you the know it's
1: really grown on me i think i think
0: vegas did a great job also with their color scheme and their logos and all those things i think they did a great job there uh the predators yeah the jets meh. were already there the coyotes meh uh, the sharks well, they were an
1: expansion team but yes you're correct on that yeah uh, the, sharks, hurricanes, the sharks are up there blue jackets hurricanes also not an expansion team but you know what and i'm saying there are new teams that relocated
0: <laughs> the panthers um the senators i would say i don't know i i think the avalanche is my favorite still I think the Avalanche the favorite
1: like rebrand slash expansion team. Yeah,
0: I think so, and I, I like their color scheme too. It stood the test of time. I didn't know if it. I, I they should update the uniform a little bit. Like the cut of the uniform is a little bit nineties for me, but the color mm-hmm. scheme works. The logo still stands up, and I, like that was kind of the first team in popular sports to have that kind of the collective name like Avalanche, like Heat, like Kraken, where it's we are not the Red Wings or the Blackhawks. We are the Seattle Kraken, the C- the mm-hmm. Colorado Avalanche. I kind of like that concept. So I think ca- the Avalanche is still my favorite. Plus, I like the way it sounds. Colorado Avalanche is it just sounds cool. Uh, yeah. But I think Kraken because of its creativity, because of its um, it it's it's a it's a hard left turn from typical sports team names, and I think Seattle is the perfect market to do that. They're the and I, I guess you'd have to give credit to the Minnesota Wild too. As much as I don't really like it, um, it's the same concept. It's something a little different, something unique and I like that. So uh I would say Avalanche is my favorite, Kraken is my second favorite. How about you?
1: I am I'm gonna go ahead and say that like the Avalanche are definitely up there for including the rebrand teams, obviously. I love the Carolina Hurricanes, like color scheme and jerseys and all that. But, I mean, they transitioned from being the Hartford Whalers. Like, that's kind of a – you're not going to be able to win when you're going from the Whalers to basically anything else. And I'm going to probably have to ding the avalanche on that too because I used to love the Quebec Nordiques look, like their jerseys and logo and name and everything. I've got one out of left field for you that I think is probably my favorite out of the expansion bunch I'm going to go with the Columbus Blue Jackets. I really, I like the story behind their name. I like all of the different logos and secondary logos that they use, aside from the B. I didn't really get all of that. <laughs> yeah. But the the current crest that they have and their jersey that they have, I just, it's such a clean, classic, and awesome look. It looks like they've been in the NHL forever without feeling, like, super dated. I really like the Columbus Blue Jackets. I thought that they kind of went against the grain and went with like a little bit of a simpler, more like standard kind of color scheme, and they really made it work when they came out. So I'm going to go with Columbus. Well, that's, I think,
0: and the Kraken did that too. Sometimes when these teams, they're new and they come out at a certain time and are like, we're going to reinvent the wheel with unique and crazy color schemes. Like you've got to look 10, 20, 30, 40 years down the road. And Columbus did do a good job with that. It's just navy blue red and silver or white whatever you want to call it i wish that i know what blue jackets means i wonder if we were to poll a hundred hockey fans and say what does blue jackets mean do you think how many of those hundred would think it would know that it means union soldier
1: i would hope that they would at least know that it has something to do with the civil war just based on the canon and on the uh the shoulder crest with the uh, union hat on it. I would hope that they could draw from those context clues and be like, uh, civil war. Like I'll give, I'll give some, I'll give them some credit. Be like "Mm, 25 out of a hundred would know that.
0: Yeah, that's probably about right. So that's, that's kind of my one complaint about it. And then like you said, they did do the, the bug Sparky or whatever his name (laughs) is. And that threw people off. Like, wait a minute. Is it like a, a blue yellow jacket? Is that what they're saying? This is, so they kind of like doubled up on the name a little bit, and it, I think that lent to right. some confusion. But the name Blue Jackets is cool; it makes a lot of sense. Um, I just wish they early on would have done a better job saying this is what it means, you know, this is what we're talking about, and I, I would have been more on board with it. But I like that too. And you're right about their; I think their uniforms look good. I'm not crazy about the font; they've got like kind of a over the top font that I'm not in love with. I like the very basic look of font and we haven't seen the Kraken as far as I know, the number font and uh, name font yet, but I'm sure no, they're gonna do a good, we have yet they've done a great job with everything else. I can't imagine they're gonna screw that up. but anyway, speaking of the expansion, Seattle Kraken, next summer will be the expansion draft and a lot of people have hit us up uh, on Twitter or on email asking what's gonna happen with the Hawks and the expansion draft? Well, it's kind of hard to say, but Scott Powers and Mark Lazarus published a piece uh, about the 2020, the 20, I'm sorry, 2021. It's hard to say for some reason. Expansion draft back in June. And I want to go over it. So here are the basic rules. Um, an expansion team will be selecting one player from the 30 other NHL teams. Vegas is exempt from the Seattle draft. Each team will be able to protect either seven forwards, three defensemen, and one goalie. Or eight skaters, any combination of forwards and defensemen, and one goalie. So now these are with Kubalik and Strom re signed in this practice, what they're doing here on the website. Okay, so first of all, there's players who have accrued two or fewer NHL seasons by the end of 2020 21 are exempt from the expansion draft. So that's Bodan, Bolquist, Doc. Kubelik if he resigns, and Ian Mitchell. So those guys, I mean, basically your top five prospects until whoever they pick in this draft are all protected. Obviously, that pick will be protected too. The following players must be protected because of no-movement clauses. Kane, Keith, Seabrook, Taves. Um, Those guys have to be protected because of their no-movement clauses in their contract. Any of these guys can be asked to waive their no-movement clause, but it's unlikely that will happen. Uh, they say likely to be protected would be DeBrinckitt and Strom, assuming Strom resigns. And then on the bubble, Lucas Carlson, Calvin DeHaan, Connor Murphy, Alex Nylander, uh, Brandon Saad, Andrew Shaw, Crawford, Delia, and Lankanen. Here's who they expect will be exposed. Carpenter, Kajula, if he's resigned, Gilbert, Highmore, Camp, Mata if he's not bought out, Quinville, Sealer, Dylan Secura, and Zach Smith if he's not bought out this summer. So there you go. That's kind of the breakdown based on the current roster, which is really all you can do at this point. Those are the guys who uh, will likely be exposed. And when you look at that list of Carpenter, Kajula, Gilbert Highmore, Camp Mata, Quenville, Sealer, Secura Smith, outside of Kajula, I'm not, Yeah, <laughs>
1: it, doesn't really, it doesn't
0: really scare me.
1: No, definitely not. I don't. I don't look at this list and say to myself, "Oh, you have to keep Ryan Carpenter." It's like, no, you don't have to do anything. Like he would be a guy I'd be interested in keeping, but if they lost him, I wouldn't lose any sleep about it. Like Matthew Highmore, whatever. Dylan guy. Secura, whatever. Nick Sealer, wow, lol. Uh, <laughs> John Quenville, same. Like. The only guys on this list that I really look at besides Drake Kajula and go to my, think to myself, eh, it'll be nice to keep him, but I'd still expose him. would probably be Camp and Carpenter. Like, those are the two guys like everybody else. Eh, sayonara, whatever.
0: Yeah, I, I, I sort of agree with you. And, and I'm, you know, I'm not high on camp. I think he's just a guy. But sometimes guys are good to have. He's versatile. He can play center wing. and
1: Well, look what happened to Philip Dano yeah but eh, they're not the same i don't i don't think that a lot of people thought that he was going to be a selkie candidate
0: he was a better play he was a better prospect than camp though
1: i'm not going to disagree with that but i'm also going to say it's not like everybody was like clamoring to keep him he was just kind of like one of those guys you know he was just a dude it
0: was a name we heard for a long time but you're right um didn't like didn't jump up like other guys had around the same time like i'm trying to get myself in my brain to that time period. That was about when Tavo was coming up so there was a lot of hype around Tavo. But Dino was up there. But yeah, and I saw Sam Fellows wrote today like just watch uh you know Dylan Secura get picked up by Seattle and go score 30 goals. Look, if that happens for Dylan Secura, I'm happy for him. It's not Has going even to happen. he scored here. a
1: goal in the NHL? Didn't he get one? Like,
0: Didn't he finally I- get
1: one? I don't even remember. It's I think been he did. so long, I, dude.
0: I think I know. It's been seven hundred years since talking has been played. <laughs> but I think they did I think he did finally score one.
1: Uh he did. He did have a goal this season. He had a goal and two assists in uh nine games with the Blackhawks.
0: Well, good for him. And now is a good time if you want to to order your Doen Secura <laughs> Seattle Kraken jersey at Triple Threat Sports. Hit up our friend Chris Hubble. Right now they're making masks, churning them out by the thousands. You need a mask? Hit up chris at triplethreadsports.com. That's the email hey, yo, address. you
1: need a mask? Like you, need that, a ma- you, made that, you made that kind of sound kind of jersey a little need,
0: bit. Hey, you need a mask? I got a mask right ear. Right ear.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> chris will he'll, Chris will open up his trench coat. Hey, you need a mask? Come over here. I got one for you. I got a I got a kiss mask. I got a Van Halen mask. And I've got a Seattle Kraken mask. Which one do you want? Hit up Chris at Triple Threat Sports, 708-478. Well, we just lost the sponsor. <laughs> 708-478-6090. And, you know, while you're there, you might as well order some jerseys, some T-shirts, print it, whatever you need to be printed. Triple Threat Sports will do a great job. You want your jersey that you order to look like it looks on the ice in the NHL. That's exactly how Triple Threat Sports is going to do it. They use the same fonts, the same knitting style, everything. Uh, I know Chris has actually produced jerseys that the Blackhawks have worn on the ice. So no fear, you're going to get a cheap-looking knockoff. Triple Threat Sports does it right, and I am a stickler for such things. When I see those knockoff jerseys, I want to vomit on them directly. I won't do that because it's a pandemic right now, but I'm saving it. I got a whole bunch of vomit saved up for your knockoff jerseys. So Chris at (laughs) TripleThreatSports.com, get yourself an authentic, even if it's a replica, The lettering will be authentic. So what are you,
1: Howard Hughes, now storing vomit? Like, good lord! Yeah, I've got jars of it. (laughs) We've gone down a really weird (laughs) rabbit hole right now. Yes, we have.
0: I I have not. Just for the record, I have not done that. And vomit is gross, and it makes me feel terrible. So, but I say, does
1: it make you want to vomit, Iran? I do everything
0: in my power to not do that when the time comes. Like Mm. I'll—that's last resort for me.
1: Speaking of vomit, do you want to talk about who you would keep? Who are your uh, guys that you would uh, protect in an expansion draft with the Kraken?
0: I agree with uh, with what these guys said. I, I think you, you protect uh, DeBrinkit, You protect Strom if he's resigned. Of the guys on the bubble, I would probably prioritize Connor Murphy, but you know, you're looking at it, the way the money is going to be here at some point – you're going to have to let go of a big deal. like You're going to have Mm -hmm. to lose a guy that's going to hurt the team. And maybe when we look at some of these guys that have been signed over the last little bit, like Pia Suter, who we talked about last week, and uh, Wyatt's – I'm blanking on Wyatt's last name. doesn't matter. Um, All these players the Hawks have signed recently, that's with an eye towards – it's not just next year. They know they're going to lose somebody of value in the expansion draft. And maybe it's Brandon Saad. Maybe it's Calvin DeHaan. I mean, Andrew Shaw, right after we ended our last podcast, actually, literally as we wrapped it up, sent out the thing that said he plans on playing next year. But that's not a guy I would protect. So you're going to lose somebody with some significance to the team. Um, But I think the guys they mentioned to protect, you know, obviously Strom, DeBrinkit, you've got to do what you can to keep proven young talent on the team. And I don't think just sort of reading between the lines about what's going on with Brent Seabrook it doesn't seem like the Hawks are even going to ask him to move that to waive that no movement clause and Scott Powers was on the score today and mentioned that like if Brent Seabrook doesn't like Jeremy Cowton's decision about if or if not he's playing in the playoffs this year things could get ugly so I don't know that's something that's and look I don't know if that should be the case. I don't think Brent Steberk should be dictating whether or not he should be playing, but I just think with all that information, the Hawks are going to be hesitant to say, hey, Brent, thanks for your service. Do you want to go play in Seattle? I don't know if they're <laughs> even going to ask.
1: I mean, who wouldn't want to go play in Seattle? You get paid $7 bucks to go uh, you know, establish a new team and a new identity. Like That could be fun, I guess. I don't know. I'm trying to convince Seattle <laughs> to take him. That's what I'm doing right now. Hey, um, you could do, you know, I'm very
0: interested to see how he looks and probably, you know, just based on what everybody's saying, he does look not quite ready if you read the reports from training camp. Mm-hmm. But if he's ready next year and looks a little better, you know, maybe he does become a little bit more appealing to Seattle, a team that wants veteran leadership. And, you know, Ron Francis, their GM, is a guy who's going to value – that sort of a thing that's the kind of player he's always been and you need a guy like that on the roster obviously we haven't looked around the other teams in the league to see who would be protected and unprotected there but bringing a guy like Brent Seabrook when you've got a ton of cap space to do so um, could make some sense for a team like that but I just I just think it's pretty far-fetched at least at this point to think the Hawks are going to say hey Brent want to go play in Seattle I know you're settled here I know you've you know been here your whole career but what do you think Mm -hmm.
1: I don't is, know. Is is do I remember correctly is Vegas exempt from the expansion draft? Yes, they are. I thought they were.
0: Yep. So yeah, they're hmm. exempt so they're not which is I mean it makes sense. It was just 2 years ago. Um
1: Hey, they they almost won the Stanley Cup their I know. first season, man. Get rid of that dumb rule then. You want to come in here and be in the playoffs multiple years in a row and almost win the cup? Guess what? You get to play like everybody else does. Pick your players.
0: (laughs) You know, and I I was talking about that today with somebody and how remarkable it was that Vegas was able to do that. But here's why that worked. As soon as they became a franchise, Vegas went out and hired good hockey people to run the hockey side of the organization, and it paid off they knew who they they knew who to get. It wasn't all about marketing and it looks like Seattle's done the same thing. So maybe they can come out and I'm not saying they're going to go to the cup final in their first year, but they have the ability here with an appealing market. Um, what's going to be kind of like the hipster sports team for a while here. I could see a high profile free agent choosing to sign in Seattle and be the face of that franchise for the next, you know, seven, eight years. I could definitely see that happening. Um, even more so than vegas i think seattle is a really appealing place to play especially if you're a guy from western canada you're relatively close to home i mm-hmm. i think seattle is going to be a really appealing market for hockey players
1: i i just don't i don't know if seattle hit like the the jackpot so to speak like Vegas did where you get a guy like Mark andre Fleury who comes in and just like basically stands on his head and has this dominant season and then look at all the other guys that Vegas was able to get onto their roster through that expansion draft and through trades and all the things that they did they put together just an incredibly good hockey team in a very short amount of time and they built a lot of chemistry with each other apparently they they very clearly, we're having a lot of fun as they went through all that run into the Stanley Cup final. And that's just, I'm wondering, that's probably going to be like a once in a lifetime thing. But just like based on the fact, like of how like the NHL is setting up these expansion drafts, you almost think that you're gonna find some diamonds in the rough in those drafts, and you're probably gonna be at least somewhat competitive. Like gone are the days when what was it? The Ottawa Senators won like one road game in their expansion season or something like that. I I don't think that that's ever going to happen again. And I think while I don't think that they're going to end up being like, you know, Vegas part duh, I do think that they are going to, I say, almost said field. Ha! I used the right analogy. They're going to, or right metaphor, whatever it is. I'm not getting paid to talk English today. <laughs> they're they're going to be good. That's what I'm going to say.
0: Yeah. I mean, just looking at some of the names here, I'm looking back at Vegas's expansion draft. Uh, just sc- scrolling through it. Jonathan Marcheseau. Um uh let's see, James Neal was a pretty at that point was a better and more effective player than he was last year. David Perron, Alex Tuck, William Carlson, who's gone up to, to be their star offensive player. David Clarkson was a big name, but a bad player. Uh Lucas Pisa, John Merrill, uh Jason Garrison. They had some guys that came you know, not in their primes, but like kind of ready to go. Griffin Reinhart, Trevor Van Riemsdijk was a the guy they got from Chicago. And like you mentioned, Marc-Andre Fleury, a Stanley Cup winning goalie coming in. I don't want to say having a bounce back year, but I think some people were ready to say like, ah, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury's on a downswing. Things are going down and not up. Uh, and he came out and was awesome for them and made all the difference for them. So, yeah, this team can definitely get good very very quickly and and, you know I think a lot of Hawks fans at the time were upset to lose Trevor Van Riemsdyk but now looking back on it it's kind of like okay you know like if he would he be in their top six now probably but I don't know I don't think he's turned into anything great anywhere else you know so yeah I don't know hopefully it's a similar result uh, next summer with the expansion draft. We got a long time till then. There is stuff going on in Hawk's World now. We're going to take a quick time out. First, I want to tell you about our friends at Marishka's and Crest Hill, 604 Theater Street. Their family owned and operated since 1933. The Poor Boys. Oh, the Poor Boys. Man, I am just craving a Marishka's Poor Boy. You and I keep threatening to golf. I keep threatening to go to Marishka's, and I just can't get the schedule to work out. I'm going to make it happen. Joe, I'm coming for you. Get that garlic butter out and warmed up. I'll be there very, very soon. Go visit our friends at Mariska's. I already mentioned the poor boy, but the steaks, the chops, the seafood, everything there is terrific. The twice-baked potato is a must. The onion rings are incredible. And uh, once things open back up, the craft beer menu there is to die for. So hit them up, mariskas.com or facebook.com slash mariskas. That's M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S. When we come back on the Madhouse Podcast, we're going to talk about Jonathan Taves' return to practice. A little bit of a rumor that happened and then was quickly squashed about Jonathan Taves and Corey Crawford still being absent but not being ruled out. All that and more coming up next on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast.
1: Welcome back in, friends, to this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We've been talking a lot today about the Seattle Kraken and about the NHL expansion draft. I have a really crazy idea, Jay. Why don't we talk about hockey that's actually going to be occurring in a week and a day? August 1st, the Blackhawks will be on the ice against the Edmonton Oilers in a real honest-to-goodness hockey game. We're eight days away from this thing starting up, man. Dude,
0: I cannot wait. And I, before you and I started, uh, I was watching Major League Baseball, opening night of Major League Baseball before all hell broke loose in D.C. There's like, <laughs> there's a wild thunderstorm happening there right now. Uh, there was a, they had Rob Manfred on right over his shoulder, a giant bolt of lightning hit. And then 30 seconds later, they took everybody off the field. Uh, so it's a little bit chaotic in D.C., but, hey, what would opening day be without horrible, horrible weather? But, yeah, man, eight <laughs> days away from actual hockey, and we had a bit of a scare this week. Monday, halfway through practice, Jonathan Taves leaves practice. After Afterwards, Jeremy Cowton says, oh, you know, we're just trying to keep him fresh. That was a term he used. Then Tuesday, Taves isn't there again. Then Cowton goes to the unfit-to-play, unfit-to-participate thing. Then Wednesday's an off day, so now all of a sudden Jonathan Taves hasn't been on the ice in two and a half days. No one's updated it in that long, but Thursday morning Taves appears on the ice. Everything's fine, uh, crisis averted. I guess he was just a little stiff, and they wanted to give him an extra day's rest, which makes sense. It's, it's a logical thing and a smart thing to do. I know Jonathan Taves is a guy who's going to be ready to go when the puck drops in eight days, so I'm not worried about that. But it was just like, oh my God, did he? you know did he tweak something in practice and he's going to be set back because oh my god that would be you're already without Corey Crawford you've already had you know Calvin DeHaan miss because of family emergency uh you've had Connor Murphy out for reasons that we don't know I mean it's just like one thing after another and, and even without even with Corey Crawford it's going to be a tough series to win but without Crawford and Taves forget it
1: yeah Absolutely impossible. I would almost say this has been like the 2020 of hockey training camps because just a lot of like things have gone wrong, it seems like. And then even in Edmonton, you had Connor McDavid get banged up the other day, so that was almost a thing. Good Lord, man. What is going on right now in this series? Yeah,
0: th- well, this is what it's going to be. It's just – it's, and we talked about this last week. The unfit-to-play thing I think has done a bit of a disservice – it just leaves so much. I don't know. It just sounds bad. You know, it, it's. They should have said out. He's out. we we not going to update. We, the term unfit to play is very uncomfortable to me. I'm not sure why. Maybe it's because I'm a guy that's never been fit. <laughs> so it just sort of like triggers my insecurities a little bit. But we're by uh, the
1: renaming this podcast the Unfit to Play Hockey Podcast. The
0: Unfit to Hit Play. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but anyway, Taves is back. And then with Corey Crawford. The door is still cracked open a little bit. They said they haven't completely ruled out the fact that Crawford could play. Um, I don't know. In eight days, he hasn't been to camp at all. I don't know how you can expect Corey Crawford to just walk in the door maybe tomorrow, maybe this weekend, maybe Monday, and be like, yep, that's our guy. But when you look at the other options, are you taking taking Corey Crawford on eight days or seven days or whatever it's going to be, uh, warm up? Or are you going to take Subban or Delia or Lankin And I, I'm, I'm tempted to go with Crawford, even on short preparation time.
1: Can we go with no goalie? Just like put like the <laughs> put like the boards from shoot the puck in there. Would that be okay?
0: That'd be fine. Or just like sign a really fat guy and just have him stand there. It's a good but, idea. Yeah, we could do that. We I know some fat people. You'd be surprised <laughs> to know. I know some. So we could find somebody who can stand on skates and take up some space. But. Really though, I'm asking you honestly. Like, what if it, if you had to make the decision? Let's say Corey Crawford comes back to practice on Monday, and he's all systems go, practicing normally. You know, with the team in the scrimmages, are you comfortable going with Corey Crawford? You know, five days from when he reports to camp.
1: Yeah, I absolutely am. Like, I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and say that like Malcolm Subban's like an awful goalie or anything like that or that Colin Delia or Kevin Lankinen couldn't potentially like stand on their head for a game or two. I mean, we've seen what can happen in the playoffs with Blackhawks goalies just randomly like going off. Hello, Scott Darling. Yeah, like it just it's but at the same time. In a short series like this, in a situation where you are already going in as a decided underdog, why would you leave an ostensibly in this situation, an ostensibly healthy Corey Crawford? You cannot leave him on the bench or in the press box or where wherever he would end up being. I think that if he if he's if he's able to go once they are in Edmonton and he's able to get at least a couple of practices under his belt, I think you you have to give him a chance to play because I still think that Corey Crawford at 60 or 70% is probably going to give you an equivalent, if not better, chance to win than Malcolm Subban or Colin Delia would. I
0: agree with you 100%. Here's a scenario, okay? Just like I said, Crawford comes back Monday. He's practicing with the team. All systems go. Game one in Edmonton. Crawford's in. Hawks lose 5-1. Carford looks rusty and bad. What do you do game two?
1: Yank him. I mean, this is a best of five series. You got to do it. Like, this is no time for hurt feelings. And I think that you'd be well within your rights to say, we rushed you back. You didn't look good, whatever. We were giving the net to Malcolm Subban. He had enough, like, you know, game and uh, scrimmage and practice to – you know, at least make us think that we have a shot with him. But if he, if Corey Crawford looks bad, you would hope you would find that information out before game one of the series. But in the not ideal situation that he would struggle like that, you got to pull him. I think it's just, again, it's not a time where you can let hurt feelings or whatever kind of dictate your actions. You got to do what's right to try to win the series.
0: Yeah. I, I, I agree with you on that on both things. Actually, I just have so little – look, I, I got nothing against Malcolm Subban. If they want to sign him to be the backup again, cool. Um, I mean, the guy was a first-round pick, so he's he's got a pedigree. But, like, I have so little faith in him right now, today. It's just such an unknown for me that, yeah, I think Crawford at 60% or whatever percentage you want to put on it is – I trust way more. And I might even be tempted. Even if Crawford has a bad first game, I know it's a short series. But I'd be tempted to even give Crawford the start in Game 2 and just see if he bounces back. And then if it's another bad first period, let's say they're down 2-0 in the first, okay, now I've got my answer. But I'm giving Corey Crawford every opportunity. If he comes back next week and is participating full speed and and deems himself and the team deems him ready to go Game 1, he's getting Game 1, and even if it goes bad, I'm giving him the start in Game 2 with a very short trigger. I think that's what I'm doing. I know boy I, this, these are the decisions I don't envy <laughs> you know they're tough to make for a coach not to mention the you know the psychological and the uh, team spirit sort of impact that these things would have. Mm. You say you're not going to go with Crawford players are pissed. you play with Crawford and he's not good that takes a that's a mental blow to the team saying oh God this guy we we're relying on doesn't have it right now. How are we going to win this thing? It's a really tough balance of what's the right thing to do, what's the wrong thing to do, and this is where you know Jeremy Cowden, <laughs> his his greenness is going to show. Uh, let's hope he makes the right decisions. Look, I'll say this. Personnel-wise, Cowden has had the balls to say, Brent Seabrook, you're not one of our top six defensemen. You're benched. Now, you could say that Dominic Kubelik's been misused all year. I think that's true, but he's played. I think the guys that have deserved to be in the lineup have been in a lineup maybe not utilized correctly but Collins doesn't seem like a guy who's afraid to piss people off um yeah so it's gonna be really interesting to to see what happens on the 30th on the first rather uh but dude I just cannot wait for this it's gonna be so fun just I do have
1: I do have two more quick thoughts to add to this conversation just before we kind of get back to the bigger picture one I'm really happy that the terms we don't want Corey Crawford to potentially end his Black Hawk's career like that. I'm glad that didn't come up. That should yeah. not be obviously the driving force behind any decision. And the other thing too is I do want to emphasize this. I don't think Corey Crawford is going to be cleared to play. So all of this hypothetical aside, I just the way they've been talking about mm-hmm. it. The way that they've been time-sharing the workload and practice and scrimmages, I just I don't see it. I think they are fully preparing not to, like, not to have Corey Crawford available when that puck drops in Edmonton.
0: It's interesting. I, hmm. Just thinking of the way they operate, right? Thinking of the way they've operated historically, leaving the door open a little bit, leaving that glimmer of hope, usually... And we've got limited experience with Cowton, but we've got a lot with Bowman. That usually is meaningful. I think they do believe there's a small chance he might play, maybe more than a small chance. They know more about this than any of us, obviously. However, your point is correct that they are the comments they made, especially early on in training camp, indicated uh, insecurity in the fact that he would be back. There didn't seem to be any confidence whatsoever that he returned, and they were talking as if he was gone, right? Over the last few days, it's gotten a little, they've loosened that up a little bit, but they're doing what they need to do. By having the intense goaltending competition during training camp now, look, they've got to play with the, with the hand they're dealt, and that's what they're dealt right now, and they've got to find out which of these guys, probably Delia or Lankanen, is going, or not Lankanen, Delia or Suban is going to be the guy come Saturday. Oh my God, a week from Saturday, whoo. That's amazing, but uh, th- they've got to be ready to proceed without Corey Crawford. But the fact that there's a glimmer, the fact that they and the the fact that they offered it, I think is significant. The fact that they said, "Oh, you know, we're not totally writing him off just yet." Okay, I think there I think there's a decent shot that he comes back. And look, he's done it before. Where he just sort of like, and here's Corey Crawford. Like, what? He's here now. He's what? Like, just kind of out of the blue. <laughs> Corey Crawford's ready to go maybe this is the same thing. All right. I got to get to something with you real quick. First, want to tell you about our new partner at Dr. Squatch Soap Company, the Madhouse Podcast listeners, James. Let me tell you, they must have smelled really bad because so many Dr. Squatch orders have come through from the Madhouse Podcast listeners. Thank you so much. If you're just getting back into the podcast, or you're checking us out for the first time, you're probably saying, what the hell is Dr. Squatch? Well, Dr. Squatch, is a made-in-the-USA, all-natural soap and hair care and body care company. Uh, I was having big problems with my skin. My hands were cracking and bleeding. They were so dry. Uh, My hair was flaking. My hair was thinning. All the things that happen to middle-aged people. Um, But I'm diabetic, so I'm prone to to dry, cracking skin. And I was tired of it. I needed an answer. No matter how much lotion I would put on my hands, nothing would help. So I saw an ad for Dr. Squatch on Instagram. And I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to give it a try. Ordered the pine tar soap and the cedar citrus soap and the hair care kit. Within two or three days, there was a significant difference in my skin, in my hair, and everything. Now, two or three months later, um, I'm still using it every day. I am an evangelist for Dr. Squatch. First, I was a customer, then I liked the brand so much. I reached out to them and said, Look, uh, I am passionate about your brand. We should partner up, and they said, hell yeah, let's do it. So go to DrSquatch.com. Use the promo code MADHOUSE to save on your order and to help the podcast. You add 20 bucks to your cart. James and I get some help, and we appreciate it very much, especially in these times. Um, So, yeah, DrSquatch.com. Up in the top right corner, you'll see the Squatch quiz. Take that quiz. It'll help you get exactly what you need. I recommend the Pine Tar Soap. That's sort of the flagship soap brand. I really love the Crisp uh, IPA, which I just tried and the cold brew cleanse. Those are my three favorites so far. And since you're going to invest in a premium product, make sure you pick up that soap saver as well. It's going to make your soap last longer. You're going to get more of your money's worth because it's not a $3 bottle of uh, chemicals from the store. This is natural, made in the USA, great high quality stuff, and you want to protect your investment. So get that soap saver as well. Again, drsquatch.com. Use that promo code madhouse to save on your order and to help out James and I. Okay, James, did you look at today's scrimmage? Did you pay any attention to it?
1: I did not. I was uh, enjoying vacation-y type things. Good today. for you.
0: I have concerns.
1: <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, they
0: put The Hawks put the rosters out this afternoon before the, sc- the scrimmage started. Okay? So listen carefully. Here's Team Red. Carpenter, Highmore, Hagel, Reese Johnson, Mackenzie Whistle, Camp. Kurashev, Sakura. Okay, those are the forwards. Defense is Seabrook, DeHaan, Carlson, Sealer, Bodan, Suban, and Delia in net. Team Black Kubelik, Debrinkit, Strom, Taves, Sod, Doc, Kane, Kajula, Nylander, Keith, Mata, Boklas, Chris, Cuckoo, Lankinen, Tompkins, James.
1: Which of those teams won the scrimmage? I believe it would have been the latter. Incorrect. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Somehow, that team with all the Blackhawk
0: stars lost. <laughs> I was like, come on. There's no chance. I, I went back and checked like five times. Like I'm reading this wrong, right? That- no. Yeah. The, the team with all the star players didn't win. I know it's a scrimmage. I'm not truly concerned about it, but when I saw the roster, say, I'm like, "Oh my god, that team doesn't have a
1: chance," and the red team won. It's kind of weird too, like the way they set that up, where they had the good defense theoretically on like the one side, or no, they split the defense up fairly evenly. Yeah, I would say and they had even. the good goaltenders on the first team that you mentioned and then like the forwards it's very clear that they were stacking the deck for the other team like that was kind of that's an interesting uh setup there
0: well i guess they're trying to keep the lines together which you know what i mean like lines that have been playing together want to play together but why not put like the taves on red and i don't know i was just a little bit surprised (laughs) that the, the, the team with all the hall of Famers on it lost is it, should I be concerned? Am I getting free? I, I don't know, James, maybe it's just because like sports is starting so abruptly that all my sports anxiety that's been like on hiatus for the last three or four months is all of a sudden rushing out of me at once. I was swearing at the Cubs on TV. I was going to say,
1: <laughs> let me guess. You were probably Dude. yelling at the television while the White Sox were thumping the Cubs the other day. Oh,
0: I was so mad. I'm like, okay. I, w- I was even talking to Bernstein about it on the show. I'm like, all right, look, I know it's exhibition, and I'm not one of these meatballs that's going to go over the top when bad things happen, but you Darvish can't get out of the first inning. And that's the guy I'm trusting to go game two (laughs) against the Brewers. I'm like, Oh my God. (sighs) And I'm a, you Darvish fan. I very much like you Darvish. I'd love to watch him pitch. And I think he's a cool and interesting dude, but that uh, dude, I was losing my mind watching that game. And I'm like, well, sports are back. I'm glad to see that I'm invested again. And that I'm capable of being invested despite being in the middle of a pandemic. I guess that's good news.
1: You know, Jay, I have to tell you this, as a friend, Uh in the year of our Lord, 2020, (laughs) you should just be used to being let down by things. You should be used to things not going according to plan, which is why you should assume that what's going to happen is the Blackhawks are going to beat the Oilers and win that series somehow, and the Oilers are going to get the number one pick in the draft. Oh my God, could you imagine? Yeah, I can totally imagine. That's why I just said it.
0: (laughs) No, the Oilers part of it.
1: Yeah, oh that's what I'm God. saying, man. And then everybody be like, that could have been the Blackhawks. Oh. oh, my God. Like, it was this thing that seemed so wonderful. They got the upset victory. Hooray, Chicago. What do you mean Edmonton got the number one pick? So, yeah, oh. that's that's 20- oh that God. would be the most 2020 thing they could add. I
0: had not even considered that. Thank you for planting that seed in my head. Of Dreisaitl and McDavid and Lafreniere for the next 25 freaking
1: years. Uh, oh, my God. Well, I ruined Jason. <sighs> Good God. I am team chaos is what I
0: am. <laughs> well, that that would certainly qualify as chaos. That would absolutely qualify. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, We got one more thing to get to uh, about Jonathan Tays real quick. Uh, I want to recommend you guys check something out. Um, but first I want to tell you about our friends at Fry the Coop, Nashville hot chicken. It's all the, it's all the rage right now, right? Everybody's eating it. Um, people aren't, shouldn't go to Nashville because people there are insane right now. Um, but if you want Nashville hot chicken close to home, huh, Fry the Coop has your back. Elmhurst, Westtown, Oak Lawn. That's my go-to location. They're all over the place and more locations coming soon. Frythecoop.com. Check out their menu items. Here's what I get. I get the tender plate get the tenders get the seasoned fries i get two medium and a hot because the hot is damn hot and there's two levels above hot at fry the coop everyone that goes to fry the coop loves it they rave about it and they are one of the businesses that are absolutely thriving during the pandemic they have adjusted their business model they are uh you can walk up to the window and pick up your order very easy every employee is wearing a mask and gloves um very, very safe experience to Fry the Coop. And they've actually during this entire thing, they've been raising money for uh first responders and then later on some money for my block, my hood, uh in Chicago, which is a great uh charity doing work in the community. Uh so Fry the Coop, frythecoop.com. They're absolutely killing it. Try the best hot chicken you'll ever have in Nashville, in Chicago, anywhere. Fry the Coop, to me, is the number one hot chicken on the planet. All right, so one more little thing. This morning, a story surfaced about Jonathan Taves uh, being one of the no votes for the return to play. And Elliot Friedman, in his 31 Thoughts podcast, the date of the podcast was the 16th of July. So it was not the latest episode. It was the one from last week. Friedman says... Taves was one of the guys to vote no. Taves today said no. That's not true. I was not one of the ones to vote no. But what's what's interesting about this? And go listen to the episode. It's about the twenty five minute marker, so I would say. I'm not. I don't want to share the audio because I want you to go listen to it. Elliot Friedman does a great job explaining how Jonathan Taves was the guy in the meeting as these things were being negotiated, asking the question, saying, "Look, is this safe?" How do we get this? How do we know we're protected? And they said he was a bit of a thorn in the side of the people trying to bring the league back, but a lot of players took note of that and respect the hell out of Jonathan Taves for being the guy brave enough to stand up and and and, and, and frankly take a stand and say, look, we're not doing this unless it's the right, safe thing to do, and you have to guarantee our safety. So Jonathan Taves, uh, no surprise, an absolute stand-up dude, later on in the, in the uh, conversation, Friedman mentions his, mentions the weird comment Taves had last week about, like, oh, who even knows how you get this thing and and sort of said that Taves would probably, if if, if, if it came up to him again, he'd probably walk that back a little bit. I think he was maybe caught off guard by the question. Um, but Jonathan Taves, the player rep for the Blackhawks, was one of the guys front and center asking the hard questions, making sure that hockey players were protected, and guys around the league took notice of that and really, really respected it. So uh, that's just something I think Hawks fans should know and be proud of that uh, the captain is not just a guy who does it on the ice. He's involved in looking out for his teammates and, you know, his colleagues throughout the league um, through this uh, really weird thing. We're all sort of going through together.
1: Well, we still are obviously a week away from finding out whether or not this whole idea of having training camps outside of the bubble, so to speak, ended up working out. But I think you and I have said repeatedly during this process that the NHL has seemingly come up with a really good, really solid coronavirus plan. And I do think that a big share of the credit for that does have to go to the players because they're the ones who are pushing for more frequent testing for contact tracing for all that stuff if the players hadn't been pushing for that who knows what the agreement would have looked like I know obviously that it does take two to tango in those negotiations and the owners in the league deserve a share of the credit too but never forget that it is people like Jonathan Taves fighting for those types of things that protect the rights of the players and honestly have ensured labor peace in the nhl for the foreseeable future and that is completely a good thing it's something that baseball honestly could have freaking done if they had gotten their act together they could have negotiated a whole new cba on top of what they were already negotiating for this current season but instead they just got involved in squabbling and trying to play as few games as possible whereas hockey knew that they needed to get labor peace done and they're like hey We have time right now. Why don't we just do it? So as much as it pains me to say this, kudos to the NHL and kudos to the owners and kudos to the players for getting this done. And again, that's just another great example of why Jonathan Taves is a guy that so many players and executives around the league respect so much. There is a very good reason for that.
0: No doubt. And uh, yeah, definitely Uh, good on Jonathan Taves, good on the league. And and you're right, James, they do deserve credit for, Uh, putting on their big boy pants and and going and getting a deal done when they had the time to do it. And from all reports, and that's why I want everybody to listen to that Elliot Friedman uh, 31 Thoughts podcast from the 16th, lots of details about those negotiations and they didn't really get contentious. They have in the past. I mean, there's been lockouts and work stoppages and everything. Almost every time the CBA comes up lately, uh, it's good to see that they were able to put that aside, get it done. And oh yeah, by the way, we also figured out how to come back safely, air quotes, during a pandemic. Um. so top top notch job by the NHL NHLPA all around and getting all of this done and the game starts a week from Saturday
1: Woo! man yeah yeah
0: cannot wait and James and I are going to be with you at least one of us will be with you after after every game with a post game wrap-up podcast we're going to try to figure out hot mic uh, we're going to see if we can get one of those going with the two of us we got to figure out maybe how to get that done Maybe James and I do it outside, and maybe we find a way. I don't know. We've got to sort of work through that, um, but we're definitely going to try. We're going to do our best, and, and if it's got to be just me or just James on Hot Mic for a game, we will make it work, but I would expect to see us there. So if you don't have Hot Mic yet, get that hotmic.io or the Hot Mic app, H-O-T-M-I-C, on your iPhone or on your Android and use that uh, promo code MADHOUSE to sign up, and uh, we'll be with you for at least one or two of the games on Hot Mic, so don't miss that. You can watch the game in real time with James and or I so with that we're gonna wrap things up thanks for listening to this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast we are about a week away from hockey cannot wait but we'll talk to you sooner than that on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast
1: the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Mariska's and Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch and by Fry the Coop